0: that's uh, i need to hit the record button sooner <laughs> why wow. yeah that was that was gold man gotta just dug deep for that one i d-o-u-g deep for that one you are locked on hornets part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: in a minute we live. we live <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Walker Mail, Doug Branson, still no Nada Edwards. The jaw is still bothering him, so he will not be in once again today, hoping to get him back on Monday. But it's just going to be me and Doug here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at Walker Mail. You can still check not out on Twitter, at Nata the Scribe. I don't Wish him his, well. I don't think his Twitter fingers are hurt right now, so he's still tweeting, at Nata the Scribe. And at Doug Branson, L-O-H. Find the show handle on most social media platforms, at locked on Hornets. So you saw the game last night, Oklahoma City, they come to town and they find a way to hold on against the Charlotte Hornets 111 to 107. And in fact, they come back really with what was a 19 point deficit. The Hornets had a lead, a big lead that they were able to get after coming out in the third quarter of that game on fire, causing Billy Donovan within the first three, four minutes of that game to call two timeouts after the first timeout, nothing stopped the Hornets from continuing to score and again would eventually get their lead up to 19 points and then they slowly started chipping away, and it was just methodically moving that margin of victory, mar- that basically the deficit, a little bit smaller, and then eventually Oklahoma City would pass Charlotte, despite a couple of efforts by Kimba Walker. Malik Monk hit a couple of shots in that fourth quarter as well. They tried to stave the thunder off, but just were unable to do so. Really, the three possessions in a row where Alex Abrinas hits a long two, Ooh. Dennis, Dennis Schroeder hits a three, and then Russell Westbrook down the lane was that the was that the Sham God was that the particular play did he end the game on a Sham God?
1: It was close to the end of the game. It wasn't the last. That that what? wasn't the bucket where we
0: were they sent fans out of the stadium.
1: No, I think that was Schroeder's three point nah, shot. No, there was
0: there was a bucket where as soon as Russell hit it, then you started to see if it, because there was a four. Maybe point, that was it. I think it was a four point game that Schroeder made it when he hit that three. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was like one hundred six one hundred two at that point. And then Russell, I think, comes down. And maybe it was that, which makes the Sham God even more impressive. When it's the Sham God that makes the people walk out of the Spectrum Center... Then that deserves a little bit more. Price. It was
1: the it was the finish him move from Mortal Kombat. I mean, and he finish him, yeah, and he really celebrated it too, right? I mean, he hit. Well, it.
0: I mean, you hit that in the game. You deserve to. I give guess, some but it,
1: it wasn't. Here is the thing about it, though. He was against Cody Zeller, and you're it wasn't. Right. He didn't really move. Cody Zeller was just moving no, backwards. No, you are right. Really do anything. If Cody Zeller had fallen on his ass or something, that's one thing. <laughs> he didn't bite. But Russell's gonna celebrate. He's a maniac. That guy is a absolute. Maniac.
0: The Spectrum Center shook a little bit when he would dunk. I mean, we got to see some pretty sweet, angry Russ dunks last night. And those are always fun in person. And we didn't really get to see those a lot when we've seen him the past couple of times. And we've talked about it. We talked about it yesterday. MKG did such a great job on Russell the last couple of games. And in the second half of this one, Russell really started to get it going. But a couple things went wrong. Again, the Charlotte Hornets in another close game. We got the Miami Heat game. We got that one figured out. Kimball Walker hits a free throw when what was a tight game – And then you think, okay, thank God. Maybe the monkey's off our back. Maybe we're finally able to get rid of that stat where we just lose every single game that's decided within a couple of possessions. And then you lose to the Chicago Bulls at the United Center. Now you lose here to Oklahoma City at home in a very tight one. And all of a sudden, it's kind of looking like the same old Charlotte Hornets in that particular regard. And James Borrego, in his press conference last night, said there were a couple of guys, a couple of key stats that led to this loss. Here's Borrego's comments. Shooter at the rim really hurt us. We did not contain him. We should have done a much better job in our containment one-on-one with Schroeder. Uh, we could have handled that much better. And to bring us 25 points, 5 for 10 from the three-point line, that's, a, that's a, a game plan error on our part. He should have never got 10 threes tonight. So after the game, Doug and I are talking about just the different reasons that the Hornets lost. And Doug is pointing at Schroeder and saying, Schroeder, that's what hurt us. The 21 points, that's the thing that killed us the most. And then I you know, kind of nod. I'm like, yeah, and Abrinas too. Like Abrinas, 25 points, those five three-pointers, that really killed us. And then Doug like adamantly starts tapping that pen a little bit harder on the stat sheet. Yeah, but Schroeder, <laughs> but Schroeder, that's the guy. This is the thing. That, that, that's the thing that lost us the game. And then I start to pat my pen a little bit harder on the paper. Like, yeah, but Abrinas... But Abrinas with the 25, though, I mean, that, that's the one that you really got to look at. And so, of course, the question is asked to Borrego. He mentions Schroeder first, and then I'd give, like, a little nudge to Doug, like, yeah, you got uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And then he mentions Abrinas, and then he mentions both of these guys. 21 for Schroeder, 25 for Abrinas. And then what's funny, after the press conference, Doug, and what I thought was a joke, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, Walker, uh, yeah, you, we should definitely get that Schroeder soundbite for tomorrow. That was the best soundbite. And I thought it was a joke because he just mentioned Schroeder, and I was like, yeah, that's funny. And he was like, whoa what, whoa, what? I mean, no, he said, well, okay, yeah, he said it first. I was like, wait, you were serious there. Like, we need to get both of these guys. Like, uh, and, and here's our thing. So Schroeder, you're absolutely right. Malik Monk, atrocious defense on good old Dennis Schroeder. Killing us, going to the basket, getting fouled a couple of times. Anytime that Malik Monk would stop Schroeder, it was because he fouled him and so technically that didn't even stop him from getting it in the bucket, there were, at least be a free throw.
1: And there were four times that I counted that he just <laughs> simply got blown by, and you heard uh, Borrego, if you listen to the full press conference, he mentions one-on-one containment. That's all it is. It's not being able to even uh, stop your guy for a second to allow the defense, the rest of the defense to react, and and you saw what effect that had on the game. And 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 not. And I mentioned Schroeder over Abrinas because I felt like... That run that Oklahoma City made in the third quarter from about seven minutes to three minutes that really carved away that 19-point lead, so much of that was on Dennis Schroeder being able to to continue that run for Oklahoma City and not give any momentum to the Charlotte Hornets.
0: Well, the Hornets have a real problem defending the three. And it's been something that Borrego has brought to our attention, even though we didn't really need it brought to our attention. And he mentioned a game plan error when mentioning, I think specifically Abrinas, but I think encompassing both Schroeder and Abrinas both killing them last night, both scoring over 20. And you saw Abrinas go 5 of 10, but it wasn't even Abrinas just shooting the three that killed us. I mean, there were two plays in a row where Russell Westbrook and Abrinas hooked up on a, a fast break possession. There were two times in a row. It was the same exact play. It was deja vu immediately following the previous instance, and Abrinas hit a couple of layups on that. And both of these guys, they killed the Hornets. When Abrinas averages seven points and he's able to accumulate 25 like, that's something you certainly don't account for. And that's what loses you a game.
1: Here's why I don't care as much about a And I, and look, there are, there were probably 12 year old abrinas, by the way, there yeah. were probably defensive errors in there that Borrego knows a lot more about. And will we'll look to clean up. But when you're trying to defend Russell Westbrook on the drive, and you're trying to also pay attention to Paul George, it's almost like you, you have to allow someone to, to get free. If you want to try to contain those two guys and you got the bad Paul George game, four of 20, 11 awful, 0 for 10 from beyond the arc. So I think you can survive one of their bench players getting hot on a night, especially when you don't have Paul George at his maximum. But I I felt like letting Schroeder get 21 points, who is in sort of career recovery mode in OKC, I felt like was an okay thing for well, a was an okay thing and Schroeder was not.
0: Yeah. Schroeder, Schroeder and ISO certainly hurt them. And then that big three that put them up, I believe it was 106 to one Oh two when he hit that three, if I'm not mistaken, that's certainly again, two possession game right there. And you're trying to play catch up. So Schroeder hitting both of those, uh, hitting the ISO and hitting that three, that was certainly hurtful for the Charlotte Hornets. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll dive a little bit more into this game uh, on the other side of it. It's Walker Mayo and Doug Branson here on the lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked
1: On Hornets Podcast. <sighs> <laughs> now, here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you
0: yeah, listening right to, to? That's a little scary if, if you don't have the context. If you walk in and you start hearing that,
1: yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help either. <laughs> no, It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now on this podcast. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and more education and earning more than traditional media audience. So sponsor the show that you love and share your message with other like-minded fans. You can email info at LockedOnHornets.com for more information. So just continuing to dive into this game that happened last night, Doug. I, I thought one thing... You saw Kimba Walker, a very odd game for him. First half, especially, you didn't see him hit any field goals. He was 0-3 from the field. And I thought they did a pretty good job defending him. And I thought Terrence Ferguson, in particular, I thought he was extremely uh, good defending Kimba. Uh, played pretty good lockdown defense on him. Now, he got in foul trouble um, and then he had to go to the bench a couple times, but I thought they did a good job against Kimba, and then Kimba, like the Stars should, find a way to adapt, and he gets to the rim a couple of times, hitting some miracle shots against Steven Adams, and Kimba was able to get his 20, but in the first half, they're up with Kimba not hitting a field goal. Just an overall weird game last night.
1: Well, it was clear that OKC came out with a defensive strategy of, we're not letting Kimba Walker get going from beyond the arc, and especially not in the pick and roll. And We went over this last show this team is very good in the pick and roll and they're running it a lot. And that's why they were before last night, the second best offense in the national basketball association. And a lot of that has to do with Kimba in that pick and roll. And they were blitzing it over and over in the first half. And then that's why you saw Kimba come out in the second half and they started to get him going more in transition with those pull-up threes. That's those first two that he knocked down to extend that run in the early third were on pull-up shots and you just saw Kemba go out and knock him down.
0: Secondary scoring, we've been asking for it all season long. We get it here and there. We don't get it consistently and that's been the biggest problem. I think you got that again last night, mm-hmm. Malik Monk, a couple times in a half court set really was able to break maybe not the defense down, but he was able to get his own shot in a in a in a situation where they could not buy a basket. They couldn't find any mm-hmm. kind of open lane, and Malik Monk was able to get a couple of shots. But, one, you can't play that kind of defense and call it an overall good game for Malik, who ended up with 21 points. And nobody else really stepped up. You had Tony Parker with 17, but just 5 of 12. Had some really nice passes. I mean, if if you get that from Tony Parker, then that's a damn good game from him. Jeremy Lamb gets, early, gets going early again in this game. Remember, he got going against Miami in the first quarter But then he starts to cool off, as he did here, only 13 points in all, and then 10 for Nick Batu. Marvin is struggling now. I mean, you're you're still struggling to find consistent scoring that makes a huge overall difference. Maybe you could have looked at Malik Monk, but the guy overall defensively, as we talked about, was extremely poor. And right now they need to find that consistent guy, and this is going to be, I think, a constant theme throughout the season.
1: Those 17 points from Tony Parker – just amazing. I mean, he is playing really out of his mind right now and, and surprising a lot of people. And he was getting to the line as well. That was the thing. No yeah. one could guard Schroeder, but Schroeder couldn't guard Parker either. Parker was, he is a legitimate problem for teams off the bench. And, and it's been really exciting to watch. And also he was dealing. Uh, he had a, he, he should have had more assists. He only had four in this game. There were several opportunities he gave shooters in the corners and they were just not knocking them down. But back to Malik Monk for one second, because I think there's someone listening right now that's going, guys, he, he scored 21 points. He knocked down four threes in a game when no one was knocking down threes. He hit some big shots late to try to pull pull them back into the game. You're being too hard on him. And all I am saying is that 21 points, great, but he probably gave up close to 20 points in this game on the defensive end, and you can't be... A, a net zero type of player. I mean, you you really, if you want to be Lou Williams or you want to, if that's the ceiling for him, or if you want to be a star in this league, then, you know, if you want to play James Harden level defense, which I think that was worse than James Harden level defense, then you have to give James Harden level offense. And he he's he's not done that consistently. And that's why we have to bring it up because the defense was so bad.
0: Yeah. And there's there's times also where, even on, on I remember one shooter drive, it leaves it was to the left of the basket. I think a couple of those shooter drives were to the left of the basket. And Malik was not necessarily in great position, but good enough to contest. But he's just so small, even Schroeder, who were who is you know, he probably weighs one fifty, it seems like, was able to bully him all the way to the basket.
1: It's the problem because you can't hide him. See what they did with Kemba, because they didn't want to put Kemba on Russ, right? So they put Kimba on Terrence Ferguson, which is a nice matchup because Terrence Ferguson, not a polished offensive player, but has the size on Kemba. But Kemba can fight through some of his size deficiencies. Malik really can't do that. And so you can't hide him on the defensive end. They eventually tried to put Marvin and Miles on Schroeder, and that didn't work either. You're, fair.
0: you're hoping Malik Monk can just learn how to beat his guy to the spot and have quick enough recovery mode to where he can counter that. And, and that's what you're hoping because as you mentioned Kimba, Kimba has become fantastic at beating his guy to the spot and taking charges.
1: Taking charges has been key to Kimba's defensive, um, defensive growth, but it's not about, I don't think that Malik Monk, and I don't know if you think this, but I don't think he'll ever be a good defender. It's not really even about becoming a good defender. It's about containment. It's about holding them off Long enough yeah. to where the defense can react because Schroeder was getting to the basket so quickly that Zeller, Marvin, Miles could not come over for those help side you know deep for that help side defense. And
0: one thing we had haven't talked about, I haven't heard it mentioned about Malik Monk a whole lot except maybe when he was getting profiled out of the draft. This guy's got a six three wingspan. I mean, he it's tiny. You know, every single NBA player you see almost has a wingspan that's about three inches longer than their actual height. Or Malik Monk, it's six three. That's about it. So it's not like he's even getting his hand in a passing lane and deflecting a ball that's trying to get swung around the horn. I mean, there's – Malik Monk does not have – I mean, he's he's got the athleticism to move laterally, but one, it's just not there in the IQ stand, uh, side of things right now for Malik. But also, he, he just didn't have the natural tools to be a good defender as far as the length goes, as far as the strength goes. Now, you can put weight on NBA guys. We see it all the time. Hella last night. I watched a come to the Spectrum Center last year. The guy looked like he was 8 years old. At least now he looks like he's 12. But, I mean, he got some muscle put on him. And, and now you, you can see the NBA does a great job, maybe besides Kevin Durant. Like, that's the only guy that never got any weight put on him. Malik Monk, you would imagine, does get some of that. But until he does, and until he beats his guy to the spot, and until he gets a little bit smarter in that area, quite frankly, then this is going to be somewhat of a constant theme from him. Miles
1: Bridges looked good, though.
0: Miles Bridges did have some good stuff go on in that defensive side. That was fun to see the defense to offense for Miles to Malik Monk. Here, it's it's the same thing we've talked about. Miles Bridges just doesn't quite know where to be, but the guy is so athletic, he's going to jump out of the gym and contest a potential alley-oop. I mean, Miles...
1: The that effort, was amazing it's by the, the way. effort
0: plays it's the effort plays and you hope that doesn't get ran dry from him you hope it's not just the rookie enthusiasm you hope that continues to stay within him but the effort plays on top of the athleticism have made him a competent team defender in this league at least so far and you saw glimpses of that last night
1: that was that was we talk about creation on the offensive end a lot that was him creating on the defensive end because he, he, that was an easy bucket for Oklahoma City in transition, and I was like, ah, he's not going to get to that. He's, he's unintentionally like, oh, baiting. Oh, he
0: got to that! Yeah, he's unintentionally baiting the offense right now. It's, it's the, he doesn't even think he's going to get to that, but he's damn sure going to try, and then sure enough, he gets a fingernail on it and just deflects that pass enough. Real quickly, beforehand, is this a bad loss? Because we've, we've seen a couple of these debates on Twitter. Nada, I know Pre-Malone talked about it, our boy. We've, we've seen a couple of Twitter handles discuss that, man, this is a bad loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is a little bit more nuanced to me than just good loss or bad loss. I think there's a lot of different things to have to take into factor. It's a Western Conference opponent. It's another close game, which a loss in that kind of category is always going to sting now because it's just happened so many times. You had a 19-point lead, but it's Paul George and Russell Westbrook in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so you probably already tabbed this up as a loss looking at the schedule or at least close to it. And so to me, I don't know if I classify it as an extremely bad loss, but it certainly wasn't pretty.
1: No, I wouldn't either. I, I think that... This was a situation where you had a team that has star level talent and playoff level talent on the other side of the ball, and they were desperate for a win. Like they came into this game, what, one and four? They really needed to get kind of get things back on track, two and four, I think. Now they're three and four.
0: Yeah, it's a three game win streak for them now.
1: So, yeah, they're on a streak. And yes, the Hornets were up 19, but we've seen this over and over, especially last season like 20 point leads. In the NBA, they just don't, especially in the third quarter, Like they don't matter. Like You really needed to be up 10-15 going into the fourth quarter to have a chance to win that game, I felt like. And then I still think that Russell Westbrook would have found a way to get that team back into it in the fourth quarter, and then you would have had a close game. Instead, it just felt like after that run in the third quarter that the Hornets were not going to have enough a juice to to make it happen, but they didn't really blow possessions necessarily now they did turn the ball over too much
0: Nick Batum had an awful one
1: right but I didn't feel like overall it didn't feel like last year's close game losses where where they just completely bungled the last few possessions of the game they were able to knock down some shots get some good offense going they just they couldn't they and, couldn't keep from turning the ball
0: over. and to Malik's credit on the offensive end there was a stretch, again, where where the defense just clamped down, and that length caused real problems where the hornets could not buy a basket. And Malik was the only guy that was able to hit a jumper. It was a two, it was a mid-range shot, but he was able to get that. He had an excellent move on the baseline where he's twisting and, th- and, and going in the air and finally able to get the right angle to put it off the backboard. And I thought that was particularly good from Malik, but again, the defense there. And real quickly, well, just about Tony Parker, second game in a row with him for 23 minutes or over, logged in a game. A little scared about that. And and I'm worried about them having to rely on Tony too much because they just need somebody else to get things going for them. You know, that's not somebody that you can keep in 23 minutes a night. Remember that the first initial, uh, the first initial time I think they were going to give him was like 12 to 14. Then you see him get a little bit more than that. And then 25 and 23 the last couple of games.
1: Maybe, but I think he surprised a lot of us with how he's looked out there. So yes, maybe you're right. But, but also but over the long on term, him. yeah, relying on him and over the long term, what is? I think it's definitely something uh, to monitor. No, I agree. All right. We'll so take- what, so what are we calling this loss? It's not a good loss, not a bad. Can we just call it an early loss? Like we're still early in the season. I feel like people are overreacting. Well, don't tell that
0: to Nada. Nada's already throwing out must win games out there at the beginning of the season.
1: No, I, I feel like I feel like every team is three and four. Like I really like I feel like there's there's a few teams like Milwaukee I think is doing really well and then obviously Golden State. The problem with the Hornets though is that th- this is them, right? I mean, this is them. The past well, and they couple need of seasons. early wins because yeah.
0: the late in the season the schedule gets tough. I Absolutely. get I
1: get that, but but I'm saying that I'm seeing things in this Hornets team that have surprised me already and give me a little bit more confidence that this could be a 500 team because coming into the season I was fairly confident that they were an under under 500 team. I've seen some things that have convinced me that they could possibly be a five hundred. I've seen them. I've seen them. I saw. I seen. I saw Monk grab a loose ball and quickly oop it up to Miles Bridges. I saw a four point play from Malik Monk for the jam. Double sky
0: miles! (laughs) I saw bridges. That thing's catching on, Doug. You need your royalties
1: Sky miles, when you sign up for the credit card today, these miles (laughs) never expire. Get cash back on grocery purchases.
0: Wow, you have that memorized very well. We are coming to you from the Getimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Getimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We have a recorded sneak of the week, and I say recorded so you don't have to worry about David being live in his car doing this right now. He should be safe, Watch at out. least what we think. So two days in a row with the OG, David Walker coming on the podcast. That's a good two days right there. Stick around with us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: How'd you kids? This is Locked On Hornets. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour, then leaf subsides to leaf, So Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. We need the
0: boys to mend with that now.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets
0: podcast. So I've noticed Doug has wanted to say something a couple of times, but I would sidetrack him with a new topic I would bring up during the break. He said, let's talk about this thing. I really want to do it. He's kind of keeping it a secret from me. So I I don't know what you want. I mean, we've gone down through this game a lot in the first two segments. What is so on your mind that you have to get it out right now?
1: We've talked a lot about this game. I get it. It's an important game in November. The must-win game. It's a must-win and they lost it, and it's an ugly loss. It's a bad loss. But there is one particular thing that bothered me about last night's game, and it happened on the Jumbotron. (laughs) Yes, folks, I'm talking about the Mama Ricotta's Dance for Your Dinner promotion. (laughs) If you haven't seen this, if you haven't gone to a game and seen (laughs) this, this is a promotion by a restaurant here called Mama Ricotta's, and it's called Dance for Your Dinner, and it <laughs> requires people to, get this, dance for their dinner. Right. Like, who, who thinks of that
0: slogan? You know, who thinks, that's okay?
1: It's dystopian, right? <laughs> it's like, you must dance for your dinner. Amuse me. Amuse me now. You must amuse mother <laughs> in order to get your ricotta. And when you do, that's
0: when you get your food. It's
1: so weird. Be gone,
0: me. peasant. Take your crumb
1: dance for your dinner. You must dance in order to eat. If you do not dance, you do not
0: eat. There's a couple of different angles you can take with that. All not good. That is a weird angle for any kind of slogan, any business to take. But let alone Mama Ricotta's, they're going to be edgy and they're going to put it out there. All right, let's get to our sneak of the week. David Walker here now on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
2: What is up, guys? It's David Walker, your sneaker correspondent for Locked On Hornets, and I'm back with the sneak of the week this week, guys, and For this week, I've got a couple things on my mind. I've got a couple sneaker questions I've been thinking about as we start the season. Number one, Puma. They made a big splash in the offseason, getting a couple of those young rookies, a few vets in the mix, and now they've got their first shoe out on court, and it's doing pretty good in these online wear tests. It's getting pretty good reviews. It did release, or it is going to release, in a Halloween-themed colorway, and I'm not sure this is the way to go, fellas. The Puma Clyde Disrupt is all black. It is a x-ray of a foot. So it's an all black upper orange laces and an x-ray of a foot on the upper I don't think this is it. I don't think this is it, fellas. This is not the way to go to make your first splash into the holiday-themed sneakers, but we'll see. And we'll also see if they can sign a legit superstar, which leads me to my next question sneaker-related for this year. Kawhi Leonard, he's a sneaker-free agent, turned down a big contract from Jordan Brand last year looking for that superstar deal. Will it be Puma? Could that be the big splash they've been looking to make to get back into the sneaker game on the basketball performance side? We'll see. Maybe he goes to Adidas. Maybe he goes to somewhere we don't even know about, somewhere, something really cool we've never even heard of. We'll see. But a link up with Puma could be interesting if they want to stay in the game. They've made a good start here, signing some guys that you know, but don't yet have that guy that's going to hold down the fort for them and be their flagship superstar. My next question, the Air Jordan 33. I love the shoe. I think a lot of people like it, but it's not being worn a whole lot. Kimball Walker is yet to wear it in a game. Nick Batum is yet to wear it in a game. I don't think even Frank Kaminsky has worn it in a game, but he tends to mix up his sneaker rotation a lot more than the other guys. So we've seen it on the foot of LaMarcus Aldridge, Mike Conley, but not quite making the splash that the 32 and the 31 did before that. So the Air Jordan 33, keep an eye out if you start to see that pop up some more. Last thing on my list today, guys, the sneaker king, the sneaker champ. I've got two leaders in the clubhouse right now at the start of the season. Old reliable P.J. Tucker has been bringing heat all season long. I was happy to see him up his game. I knew he would When these new rules came into effect that said, basically, you could wear anything you wanted to, and he was like, that's what I've been doing for the last three or four years. He broke out the Nike Hyperdunk Marty McFly from 2015. This is one of my favorite shoes of all time because it paid homage to the Nike mag that was worn by Marty McFly and Back to the Future 2, and it's a really cool shoe. It's going for about 700 bucks on StockX, so he wore that in an actual game. So Big ups to P.J. Tucker, my other guy, our boy. Lance Stevenson bringing the Jordan brand heat on the regular so far this season if you're tuning in to watch LeBron if you're tuning in to see what's going on in La La Land Lance is bringing the heat with his shoes this season and I'm here for it I like what he's doing He's stuck with Jordan Brand for the most part, and it's been pretty good because you can get a bunch of these. He's got the recent Air Jordan 11 that just dropped in a surprise release, quick release today. That'll be out this weekend, I believe. But he's doing a lot of fun things out there, so keep an eye out for that. That's it for this week, fellas. Let me know what you're seeing out there. If you see some shoes you don't know what they are, hit me up on Twitter, at David B Walker. We'll try and figure it out together. Until next time, take it easy, fellas. Out. David was right, by the way,
0: about the Buzz City jerseys with the light dimming out the gray portion of those jerseys. The gray, like that. The gray makes it a little better. It's still, I want it to be crazy. I still want it to be loud. The gray doesn't make it loud, but it makes it a little bit better. I like the gray.
1: The Chicago jerseys, I think, win it for me. I love the Chicago jerseys. They're good. City They're not jerseys. better than
0: Denver's, though, right? You're going with Chicago's over Denver's?
1: Chicago's so clean though, man. Using the the Chicago flag, which is just iconic in and of itself, the color you get that little baby blue in there. It is
0: the baby blue is nice. It's I, I, really. I, if I were to put together a food chain, I would put in some. I think it would be Denver's number one. Minnesota's Prince jerseys are awesome. The the aesthetic appeal of Brooklyn's Biggie jerseys. Those things are sick. I love the Brooklyn jerseys. Chicago's is great as well. Like, they, Well done for the most part around the league.
1: Lance Stevenson getting a cameo there from uh, David Walker. He's doing some fun things, maybe a little too fun there in L.A. for LeBron. Did you see the the over the head? or No, it was behind the back in transition, like 10 feet over LeBron's head. I
0: was watching PTI, and they were doing <laughs> what's the word, and they were describing Lance's pass, and Mike Wilbon called it what he's going to do to that team later on, and he said it was sabotage.
1: Sabotage! <laughs> sabotage.
0: He is going to sabotage that team and their chances to make the playoff. And you don't want to see LeBron when he's out of patience. I miss that man. I miss him. Lance is fantastic. God, I miss Lance, too. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back Monday after they play the Cleveland Cavaliers. They play the Atlanta Hawks on Tuesday, and that will end the homestand. So we'll be there to recap the week, preview it all uh, next time on Monday here on the Locked On Hornets Podcast.
1: Dance for your dinner. See you guys.